know how to do it. On. Shut it back on. Yeah, off and on. Well, I'm pushing both buttons. Oh, look at that! Now we, now we've really lost it. I'll quit pushing buttons. Thank you. Last week, the title of the message was Eyes to See. And as a reminder from last week, um, in order for us in the natural to see, we need to have two things working. First of all, you have to have a, an eye that is functioning. And secondly, you need to have light. If you remove either one of those, if you take away the eye that does not work, you can have as much light as you want and you still can't see. And the converse is also true. If you, if, if you have uh, an eye that does work, but there's no light, you can't see. And the same is true in the spiritual world. We need both of these things. We need light to see and eyes that see in a spiritual fashion. Here we go. I'm going to skip that one because I'm falling behind already. I'm going to skip that one because I just went over it. So, last week... Last week, um, we used a variety of scriptures to drive home the point. And the first one we used was out of 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14. And that's where Elisha uh, is encamped, uh, and the king of Syria decides that he's going to take him out. And so he sends an army to take him out, and uh, his servant wakes up in the morning and goes out uh, and begins preparing things and... <clears throat> all of a sudden sees that he's surrounded by this huge army. And he cries out to Elisha and says, what, what, are, we, what are we gonna do? And Elijah says, don't worry about it. There's more of them than there is, or there's more of us than there are of them. And he says, open the eyes of my servant that he may see. And the servant's eyes are opened and he sees that he's surrounded also by this huge army of gods with chariots and of fire and, and angels. And, and, and the same is true for us. Sometimes when we have circumstances facing us, when you think, I don't know what to do, you have trouble. You have a financial issue. You have a relational issue. You have a health issue. I don't know what to do. And Elijah says, uh, here's what to do. Don't fear. And look with your spiritual eyes that who is surrounding you. And you have God surrounding you. Um, the second, second example we used was, remember, uh, the, um, 
the disciples uh, began arguing with one another in Mark chapter 8, verse 14. And they were arguing back and forth, and uh, they were saying, who was supposed to bring the bread? You were supposed to bring the bread. And they're arguing over bread. And Jesus is trying to teach them about the 11 of the Pharisees, and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, i got to stop all of this. And he comes over to them, and he says, listen, did you guys see me do a miracle with 4,000 loaves of bread? Yeah. Did you see me do a miracle with 5,000 loaves of bread? Yeah. What's your problem? And see, the same happens to us. We find ourselves in situations, and we forget of all the times that God has delivered us, all the times that God has interceded for us, all the times, and it flies out of our head, and all of a sudden, we say, what are we going to do? And God says, I want you to remember, was I not faithful for, to you then? Was I not faithful to you in that situation? Did I not come along beside you? And then the third thing that we talked about last night, with eye, last week, with eyes to see, uh, had to do with the, the uh, from Luke 24, uh, uh, these two disciples are walking to, uh, on the road to uh, Emmaus, and this guy comes alongside of them, and they don't recognize him. And he starts talking to them, and they're really in, uh, bummed out because, uh, you know, they're talking about Jesus was just crucified, and we thought he was the Messiah. But, you know, then we don't understand because we got these rumors that these women have seen him uh, alive, and the tomb was empty. And so he walks with them, and they finally come to this place where they're going to spend the night. And they go in, and they say, hey, stay with us. And he said, okay, I'll stay with you for a while. And they start to eat, and when they start to eat, he breaks open the bread. And they, all of a sudden, the Scripture says their eyes were open, and they saw who he was. And I said, it's Jesus. And the point that I tried to make last week was Jesus is walking alongside of you when you may not see him. You may not know he's there, but he's with you. And sometimes it requires a sit down and you take a look at the scriptures and the scriptures open up to you and you have eyes to see suddenly. And he, ah, God, you were there. You're showing me this. And so it's important that we think about eyes to see when we think about what we're looking for in the scriptures. Now today, we'll skip that one. I took too much. We're going to focus differently, a little bit differently today, and we're going to focus on light. Now, the first scripture I want to talk about, and only just to bring this to your attention, what's the first thing God created? Genesis 1-3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So what do you think of light? Well, I don't give it much thought at all. I mean, I get up in the morning, sunshiny, I can see, it's bright. I don't give thanks for the light. I'm just glad that I'm vertical and not horizontal, you know. And the second one is when John begins his uh, gospel, he, re he writes, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overpower it, did not comprehend it. Well, that's all well and good. We like to think that we understand that, but let's, let's unpack it a little bit today. 
Jesus said, I have come, from John 12, I have come as light into the world that everyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness. So he's beginning by showing us a contrast. That those who walk around us, those of us who we have unsaved friends, those of us who are at work, we, that we have um, colleagues at work that we work with, if they're not saved, they're in darkness. And it's not until the light shines on them that they can even begin to see. And the truth of it is they are simply blind. And Jesus said that in the next slide. You guys want to operate these for me? And this is the judgment. And Jesus is speaking here. John 3, 19 to 21. And this is the judgment. That the light is come into the world. And it's important. Here's the judgment. This is the judgment. If you're looking for judgment, here it is. Light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. And does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. You understand, men love darkness. Men love evil. And they do not want to come to the light. Because if they come to the light, they're going to be exposed. And I remember when I was first saved, I came to the light. And I recognized how much of a sinner I was. And I recognized all the foul things that I had done. And I recognized that the way I was walking was not good. And God, in his mercy, opened my eyes to see that I needed a Savior. And so I no longer, I laid down the deeds of darkness, and I said, I want to follow the light. But he who practices the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest as having been wrought in God. And so there is this transformation that occurs when we, uh, when we come to the light. Now, this is just sort of an aside, but, and this is not comprehensive, but the Bible talks about light in a number of different ways. And I think that it's important that we kind of think about those for a few minutes and then We'll move on out of this, but the first one I wanted to talk about is a scripture you're probably really familiar with, uh, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, scripture's telling us that God's word actually serves as a light for us down here. And you'll notice that the first part, portion of this, it's a lamp to my feet, it, it helps me when I'm walking daily. It enlightens my steps as I go. But it also is a light to my path. And so the path that I'm walking, I can look at it and I can say, that's enlightened. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing because God has not only given me light at my feet, he's also lighted my path that I might be able to see. How about we go to the next one? From Psalm 119. Establish my footsteps in your word, 
and do not let any uh, inequity in, do not let any inequity iniquity there have dominion over me see how important it is to have his word his word gives us light his word guards our footsteps and he says establish my footsteps in your word and from Colossians let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks through him to God the Father See, we need the word to serve as a guide to lighten to light our way and so when we talk about the word we're talking about a light for us in this dark place. Another way that they use the light, and I found this one really kind of strange, but I'll, I'll unpack it a little bit as I've thought about it. It's from Romans 13, 12. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. I've never thought of light as being armor. Now, I do know that a couple of days ago, or last week, we were, I was talking to Sean, and he was showing me this uh, video he had of a, a lightsaber that he was using. And I thought, hey, that's really cool. Um, but that's not the armor. And the idea is that if we look at light as armor, it surrounds us. It protects us. It keeps us. And when darkness comes to penetrate, it's thrown back because I have this armor of light on. Attack? No, I can't penetrate it. And so Paul writes in uh, Romans, hey, there's an armor that you can put on. Surround yourself with light. Surround yourself with light, not darkness, because darkness wants to penetrate your life. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We have to understand that this light is surrounding us. God is with us. God loves you. He cares for you. And he surrounds you. And he said, I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I didn't think, I had to think about that. And I thought, what's his right hand and the more I thought about it I thought I know who his righteous right hand is his righteous right hand is the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll uphold me with Jesus he'll uphold me with Jesus see when Stephen's being stoned he says I looked up and I saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father and in Romans 8 Paul writes and I saw Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. God wants a protection around you. Enjoy the light. Put it on. It is an armor to keep the darkness from coming in. Scriptures talk about light as being relational from 1 Thessalonians, but you, brethren, 
are not in darkness that day should overtake that the day should overtake you like a thief for you are all sons of light and sons of day and we see that there's this connection there's this adoption there's this belonging to the father of light we are sons of light we are connected because we have been adopted into his family. And so Paul says, you are, you are a son of light. Walk in light. You are a son of day. Darkness does not want to have anything to do with you because it will not overtake you. We'll talk about that in just a minute. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And such we are. You know, there's only a few places, there's three places, and I can't find the third one, where the love of God is explained. One of them is in John 3, not 1 John, but John 3, where he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And here in 1 John 3, 1, he says, See how great a love we can see God's love. Because what he's done is he's bestowed upon us that we should be called children. If you've had your eyes opened and you've allowed that light to flood in, you have been adopted into that kingdom of his light. And it should be and it shall be that in the place where it was said to them that you are my people, they, there they shall be called sons of the living God. And so we see that light has a relational uh, connection uh, to the Lord. Light is also reflective from Psalm 36, 9. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light we see light. Now, just think about that. What do you mean, in thy light we see light? Uh, and the best example the Lord, I think the Lord gave me is we have this wonderful sun and it is sending down all these light rays to us. And then we have this moon over here at night, and it's sending down... No, it really doesn't send any light rays, does it? It reflects. This is science fourth grade. It reflects the light from the sun, and that's the reason the moon glows. We are simply to be reflections of the one who has called us out of darkness. We need that word, that light to reflect from us, that we may be called the sons of light, that we may be called those who were once in darkness, that we may be called bright, shining lights in this dark place. And it's only because of the light that he gives us do we see light. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And that's an encouragement for God to say, Shine on me, Lord. Let, let your light reflect off of me that I may show it to others. This is strange. 
light as a fruit. From Ephesians 5, 8 and 9. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists. So there's a fruit that should come from you for being in relationship to light. And it should be goodness and righteousness and truth. These are pleasing to the Lord. Well, having kind of explored all of that life, that light stuff, I want to look at uh, one scripture in Isaiah that I thought was important from Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. That's, that's a directive to you. Awake, sleeper. Awake. And let Christ shine on you. The light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon who? You. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people's. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. And nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes around about and see. And here we see that God wants you to see. Hey, I have shined on you. The glory of the Lord has been given to you. Arise. Walk out of here. Bright. Illuminating. In this dark place. Well. We'll try it one more time. Matthew 5. Did you think about that? See, first of all, Jesus comes in and says, I am the light. But then he makes this declaration in Matthew 5. He says, you are the light. And when you go out tomorrow... And when you go into your workplace or your school, you have to remember, I am a light in this dark place. And darkness wants to overflow me. And I need to put on that armor of light. And I need to remember who I am. I am a child of God. I am a son of the light. And I am to reflect what I know God wants in my way that I walk down here. Well, so, if I can get this to turn, next one please. We are to grow in light. And I want to explain this and I want to apologize first of all. Because sometimes God gives me these things and I just don't know what to do with them. And so I decide I might as well just show you what a nerd I am, okay? <laughs> so if you go to the next scripture, or the next slide, we're to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. Next one. So there's an admonition that we are to mature. We are to grow. We are to put on more light. And it says, therefore, putting aside from 1 Peter 2, 1 and 3, therefore, putting aside all malice and guile and hypocrisy and envy and slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word. Let this light come into you. Let it be reflected out of you. Grow in it. You know, it's one of those dimmer switches. 
you know, and sometimes we got them turned way down, it's romantic, you know, or we can turn them way up where we can actually see. And he's saying, let this light of your salvation grow, that you may grow in respect of salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So, I want you to think about the lilies. Hmm. You're all thinking about lilies? Think about lilies. I know some of you aren't. <sighs> well, the lilies have this thing going on that's called phototropism. Write this down in your notes. This is important. And if you were in seventh grade and you had a kid who was a nerd next to you and you did the science fair and the kid did this science project, he was dealing with phototropism. And phototropism means that, and you've seen this, whenever a plant grows, and this is the big science test, they put the light bulb or the light source over here and where does the plant grow? It grows toward the light. Or if they put it over here, it grows toward the light. And that's called phototropism. Now, you see the connection there. There's light, and what we want to do is we want to grow toward the light. Now, are you ready? Here we go. I'm sorry, I apologize for this. <laughs> Photosynthesis. Isn't that exciting? What does this have to do with this message? Well, listen, I want to tell you a couple of things. I've been on Google. And I was on Wikipedia, and I thought, I don't know what they're talking about when they're talking about photosynthesis. So I went to Mark, who is a high school student who has this website on photosynthesis. And after four minutes, I thought, I don't know what Mark's talking about. Mark's. 16. So I looked and see whether there was a photosynthesis for dummies, and there is not. So I went to photosynthesis for second grade kids. And so we have, I, I just want you to know that where this is where I got this. I, there's a little wise owl up on the tree, and he's talking to these two kids, and he's explaining to them photosynthesis. So that's as deep as I can go on photosynthesis. And so what we have in photosynthesis is we have this light source. It's called the sun. And it's beaming down this light. And this plant right there, that little sunflower, do you know what it does? It breathes in carbon dioxide. That's the stuff that's bad for us. It breathes carbon dioxide in. And then you know what else it does? It drinks in water from the ground. 
this water coming into the ground, and it goes up into this, and there's all sorts of nah, bad words that make this thing happen in the big, long words that I didn't understand in the leaves. And this all happens, and it creates sugar or glucose, and that feeds the plant along with the water, and then it expels oxygen. And so when you go home and you see your little plant in your corner, you say, thank you for the oxygen, because I need the oxygen. Okay, you got it? Do you remember, <laughs> do you remember the passage in, in Mark where, where Jesus is teaching about the, 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 uh, the seeds and the sower of the seeds, and, and afterwards the disciples say, we didn't understand the word you were saying. <laughs> and so he pulls them aside quietly and begins to explain all of that. I am about to explain photosynthesis to you. See, the water is the Holy Spirit. And we are sucking up the Holy Spirit so that it will give us life. And we also need that word that's coming from the sun. And we absorb that light. And between the two of them, we produce good food for us. Oh, but Rabbi, Rabbi, what about the carbon dioxide? Oh, the carbon dioxide. The carbon dioxide are the things that you face every day. Those are your situations that come against you. That's not good for you, but you know what you need to do? You need to absorb it, and you need to turn it into good food. And when you pull in light and you suck up the Holy Spirit, you will turn that into something good. And then you know what you do? What do we do, Rabbi? You expel it as oxygen. I don't get that. Oxygen. You feed people around you. You give them life. You let them breathe. You show them, this is what God has done for me. He's poured his word into me. I've given me his Holy Spirit and those things that come against me I just turn them into good food glucose in this case but and that's what these little plants live on so the next time you see a plant you say I know the gospel is in the plant because there's good news light Holy Spirit bringing out to others life Okay, wow, sorry. I just whoop, got carried away on that one. Oh, and by the way, those of you who are taking notes, yeah, yeah, there's the formula for it, so I'll give it a minute and let you write that down, okay? Okay, and then you can study it at home, but I thought that that was important for you to see, okay? We are to walk in light, not in darkness but in light. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. See, the admonition is don't let darkness come into you. 
And when those dark things come upon you, those situations and circumstances every day, you have light and you have the Holy Spirit and you can turn them into something good. Jesus said, for a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, that darkness may not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, in order that you may become sons of light. And I'm here to declare today that you are all sons if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have stepped away from the deeds of darkness, and you have let him enter in. And you say, I want to grow in you, Lord. Pour more light into me, that I may have eyes to see, that I may know, that I may have revelation of who you are and what you want to do in my life. Which brings us to the parable of the ten virgins. Now, I'm not going to do the Bob analysis of it first. I'm just going to go right to the scripture. Maybe. Ah, Jesus is talking here. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten, comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Okay, well, we all know that Jesus is the bridegroom, and these ten virgins went out, and they're going to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were foolish, and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flask along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. Like some of you are now, okay? <laughs> Awake! <laughs> Let God shine on you! <laughs> there we go. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold! Behold the bridegroom! Come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the prudent, Hey, we don't have any oil. Our light is going to go out. Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Now the good Christian thing to do here is say, Oh yes, I will give you some of my oil. Do they do that? No. They say, whoop, wait a minute. Let me read that right at the top. Ask yourself, if he returned today, would my lamp be full? Would I be, have this oil to keep my light going? Or would I say, I don't have enough? Well, that's what they did. But the prudent answered, saying, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourself. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. And the door was shut. And later, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. But he answered and said, Truly I say to you, I don't know you. 
Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour that the bridegroom will come. Is your lamp full? Is your light bright? And see, in this picture, I see this is the Holy Spirit filling us, filling us. We're told in Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit. And that word there is a continual filling. Fill me, Lord, that I may, my light may shine. My light may shine in this dark place. The path of the righteous, Proverbs tells us, is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. See, I don't know where you are right now, but I'm encouraged by this scripture that while it may only be dawn in my life, it can get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Now, and then it tells us about the wicked. The, wicked, the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. No longer, Isaiah reminds us, no longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light. But you will have something even better. You will have the Lord for an everlasting light. And your God for your glory, your sun will set no more, neither will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. And the days of your mourning will be finished. Let God's light shine on you as you leave here today, as you enjoy our potluck. Put on the armor of light. Don't let darkness penetrate you. Because when you leave here today and you go out, darkness awaits. Darkness will try to overthrow you, will try to convince you that darkness is better than light. But I'm reminding you, you are sons of light. You reflect, you reflect all that God has done in you. Let your light shine in this darkness. For you, each one of you, are a light to the world. Let us walk in light. And next week, we will take these and we will see what it means to bring light and eyesight into one comprehensive idea. Amen? Amen. Thank you. I think you guys turned me off up there.